Psalm 25. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to help us through that passage. Heavenly Father, we pray this evening that you would speak to us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would cause us to, to marvel at your glory, that you would lift our hearts and our minds heavenward and that you would reveal yourself to us. We thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We Thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for the love that you showed us by giving your only son to us, that in faith in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, Father, we can be children of the living God. Father, we pray that this evening, by praising your name, by reading your word, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would shape us, that you would move us forward as Christians into this new year, changing us more and more into the image of your Son. And in all these things we pray in his name, for his glory. Amen. Well, happy new year. Sunday, the 1st of January, 2023 is a good time, a good day to reflect on 
the year we've had, and of course, the year ahead of us. And I entitled the sermon, this brief sermon this evening, as we're looking, starting to look at the Psalms uh, in 2023, I entitled it New Year's Resolutions. Now, Colin touched on New Year's resolutions this morning, and I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions, uh, but we hinted, and I think we all know, that we're not particularly good at keeping them, even if we make them. We are fallen people, and we may have uh, commitments uh, this year to perhaps do something better, but obviously fulfilling them is something else. And as Christians, we know that uh, it is a team effort on the respect of the Holy Spirit and the will of God of the things that we would choose to do, perhaps, in 2023. Now, I don't know what type of year you've had last year. Was it an excellent year? Would you rate it as a, a good year? Maybe average? Maybe terrible? We've had many challenges, haven't we? We've had the challenges of coming out of COVID and all of the problems that that has caused. Last year even was the beginning of the cost of living problems that we're facing now. And maybe we've suffered from illness or even bereavement. Many struggles and probably many more struggles to come. And it wouldn't be surprising if we wanted to put perhaps the past of 2022 well and truly behind us and for us to look forward to perhaps a better year in 2023. New Year's resolutions go back 3,000 years to the Babylonians and not much has changed really in why we do it and the types of resolutions that we make. And as Colin hinted this morning, whatever we may think about them, they really are just full of hope, hope that this year will be better than the last. But what do we resolve ourselves to do? Well, there really are two different categories. There's the resolutions on relationships and there's the resolutions on self-improvement. When it comes to relationships, the most popular ones tend to be spending more time with the family. Spending more time with partners, with husbands, with wives, even. Parents choose to spend more time with their kids, believe it or not. Those are the relationship ones. What about the self-improvement ones? Well, those tend to be resolutions based on perhaps doing more exercise, eating healthier, drinking less alcohol, drinking no alcohol, or looking after oneself better. Well, what has that got to do with Psalm 25, you might ask? Well, Psalm 25 is a God-given song written by uh, the Holy Spirit and a great songwriter, David. And believe it or not, it will help us to focus on the new year ahead. There are some really great elements that David does and shows and sings about that we can take forward to 2023. As he calls out to the Lord, he writes it down for his benefit, as any great songwriter would. And he also writes it down for our benefit. And because he's so open and honest, he teaches us a number of really important lessons for us to take forwards 
in this year. This evening, very briefly, I want us to focus on just two things. Two things that we could perhaps resolve ourselves to have at least a go at doing. The things that David does in Psalm 25. The first thing is a, is a way that he improves his relationship with God. And the second is how he improves ourselves or how we can improve ourselves as Christians. Psalm 25 is often referred to as the ugly duckling psalm because as you first look at it, it perhaps doesn't look that beautiful, not perhaps that structured. And yet, and I can prove this to you, the more time you spend with Psalm 25, the more structured it looks, the more beautiful it becomes, just like the ugly duckling analogy. And when you read Psalm 25 straight away, you cannot help but be amazed by David's relationship with God. Right there at the very first verse, read with me. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Verse 2, I trust in you. He goes on in verse 5, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. And then he ends the psalm like a bookend in many respects in verse 21. He says, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Is that your song for 2023? I mean, what better way to start the year than confirming with David that your hope and your trust for the year ahead is in God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never forget that Psalm 25, first and foremost, is a song. And songs are meant to be learnt. They're meant to be sung without hymn sheets, because they can be sung at any time, in any situation. Without projection, without books, just there ready to be sung in the good times and in the bad times. And David helps himself and he helps everyone else singing this psalm by structuring it. But it's not particularly clear at first glance. Again, a bit like the ugly duckling analogy. But when you look deeper, you see that Psalm 25 is an acrostic psalm. Now, an acrostic psalm is a psalm where every verse begins with a different letter, the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22-letter Hebrew alphabet. And I know things are lost when translated into English, and it doesn't make it particularly easy then to use the technique that David uses. But an acrostic psalm is there to give it structure and to help you memorize the song better. David's view of Scripture is so fundamental in everything to do with his relationship with God. And I believe it really is the reason why he employs it as an acrostic psalm for him to memorize, for us to memorize the words so that we can then have them ready at hand. And it made me think, how good are you at memorizing Scripture? 
How much scripture have you memorized in 2022? Would you like to be better at memorizing scripture? I know I would. And, well, I'm already doing better than I did previously because given this psalm by Nathan, I've read Psalm 25 now so much that I've memorized some of it. Some of it, but not all of it. My goal this year is to memorize it all. And it really does make us better in our relationship with God. The more scripture we know, the more scripture we can memorize, the more we have at hand, the more communication we are constantly having with God. And there are so many passages in scripture encouraging us to memorize scripture. Psalm 119 verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9 tells us to bind God's law on our foreheads, to teach it to our children, to talk about it wherever we go, and to make it an integral part of our lives. That's just a drop in the ocean of all of the passages in Scripture to encourage us to memorize Scripture. And if we're honest as Christians, we know that God's word and our relationship with God go hand in hand. So, I'm not going to make it a resolution because we know that the chances of it happening are not all that good. But my aim, my purpose in 2023, and I hope that you would join me in thinking at least that this is a worthy goal and that is memorizing more scripture this year. What else does David do that we can take forward this year? Well, in Psalm 25, David continuously praises God's character. Beyond all things, he is focused on praising God's character. Look at me in verse 6. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and your love. Verse 7, according to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. He goes on in verse 8, we read, good and upright is the Lord. And verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. David continuously praises and honor, honors God with his character. He sings about God's character. And the more I looked at that psalm and looked at the way that David continuously does that, I think it is tied up to his relationship with God in two ways. The first is more obvious and that he does it as a natural outpouring of his heart. I think we all understand that if we love someone, if we are centered around an individual, we cannot help but speak about them cannot help but talk about them in all times, in all situations, sometimes very annoyingly. And we might not be as unashamed perhaps as David is in doing it about his God. We might not be feeling as energized in our love towards God at times, but writing down songs about God and singing his praises, we understand that out of our hearts comes an outpouring of praise. 
that's a natural thing, I think, for all of us to contemplate on. But if you think about the year that you've had, I think there's another reason. There's been so much news in 2022, so much information, so many headlines, so much on social media, and often so much of it is just noise, so much clutter, so many things vying for our attention. All that goes on, attacking our minds and our thoughts and demanding our praise, can often drown out the things that are important. Psalm 25, I think, shows us it's a song about God. And the purpose of reminding ourselves, memorizing that song, singing of God's character in a wonderful way, can continuously put God at the forefront of our minds and our thoughts. If we are continually praising God in all situations, at all times, then God is continually with us, continually engaged in our thoughts and our minds as well as our conversations. And I think that's been very much something lacking in my life in 2022. That continual dialogue, not just with myself and God, separate from prayer, but a dialogue, praising his name in all situations. And also dialogue with other Christians, constantly talking to you after the service, not just on Sundays, praising God's character first and foremost. The focus for me in 2023 should not be what the world wants me to talk about, what the world wants me to think about, but what God wants to say to me and you and what I want to say to him. Social media has really taken over our modern world and I often watch my young, uh, well, not so young children now scrolling through social media, looking at nothing that will help them in any way. And yet, conversations with God, praising his character, praising his name, and having dialogue with other Christians about our God can always improve our relationship with him. So that's a few lessons from David on how to improve our relationship, perhaps. Memorize scripture, keep God at the forefront of our thoughts and our praise. But what about ourselves? What about ourselves? Well, improvement, development, change is very much a desire of David throughout his writings. And Psalm 25 is no exception. David is anything but perfect, and we, I hope we would agree, are anything but perfect. But a theme of Psalm 25 is that David is always ready and willing to change. The reason I focused on that, the reason I saw that come out in the scripture, is that in Psalm 25, David indicates that he is, he's no spring chicken. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. 
you can see that at the time of writing, David is looking back to when he was a young person, and he's obviously embarrassed by his rebellious ways, by his behavior, and he's asking God perhaps to look or to not look and to not remember the way that he was. That verse indicates that David is mature in his years as he writes this song. Yet, David is still continuously searching for improvement. Look at verse 4. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. He goes on in verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. Verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He then goes on in verse 12, who, are, who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. David is constantly crying out to the Lord, seeking guidance instruction, teaching. He wants to change. He wants to improve, even at this stage of his life. Now, I'm a fan of grand designs, and I've always liked watching that program. I like the fact that somebody will come along and purchase a plot of land or a run-down building, and then pour their heart and soul and usually most of their finances into renovating that project. And the whole program is designed really around the journey of that renovation or that new build. The time and effort put in to make a home for the family usually. And as I said, it usually ends up costing far more than they planned, and it usually ends up taking far more time than they scheduled. But at the end, usually, the program finishes with a home, a useful home, renovated or built from scratch. Now, that is not a perfect analogy in many respects, but you, if you are a Christian here this evening, you are undergoing a Christian renovation. A Christian renovation. The biblical term for it is sanctification. You are being changed. Sanctification means separation, and it's linked very closely to God's process of making you more and more holy, separating you more and more from sin. Now, we won't go into the depths of my analogy because if we did, we would pick that apart because the Bible talks about us being a new creation. So, less of a renovation, more of a new build. But, there is a process going on with you if you have put your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are being changed. And the strange thing is that we don't talk about that very much in church. We do talk about salvation 
and the doctrine of justification, that the moment that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are justified before God and you are saved. We love to talk about that. We even look to the future, as Colin touched on this morning, glorification, what heaven will be like, and our time with the Lord when we go with him. But we don't tend to talk a great deal. We skip or tiptoe around or sometimes completely avoid the very process that every Christian is under whilst on this mortal planet. And that is that process of sanctification, change. And what we have to remember, what we must remember is that sanctification is a gift. Sanctification is a gift. Have you ever thought about sanctification as a gift? A gift from God and not a punishment. And I think if we do spend time thinking about it, often we perhaps think it more of a punishment than a gift. God wants to change us. God will change us. And he will guide us and he will instruct us and he will teach us into becoming more and more holy. David wants this. And it challenged me as I looked at Psalm 25. Do I wake up each morning wanting to be changed? Will I, this year, embrace sanctification more and more? Now, change comes in many ways. Guiding and instructing and teaching can come in very different ways. Perhaps the ones that you immediately think about is Scripture. Time on your own spent reading the Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt you. If the Holy Spirit could perhaps prompt you at your own pace, well, all the better. But time alone reading the Scriptures with the Holy Spirit, causing you to perhaps be stirred into change. Another way, perhaps, might be that God might use other people, other Christians, parents, friends, elders. They may offer you words of wisdom, maybe even some instruction, guidance, maybe, dare I say it, correction or discipline. All of these are ways that God has to instruct us and guide us and teach us. How do you feel about all of those methods of change? David really embraces change. Even at this time in his life, as he writes this psalm, he embraces it, he looks for it, he seeks it, he wants it. But there is a, there is a key there is a key to unlocking the gift that is sanctification. Look with me in verse 9. Verse 9, he writes, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. I think that is a key characteristic of David, 
I think it is the key characteristic of David that makes him a man after God's own heart, that he, despite his failures, despite his um, failings and his life, he constantly seeks change with humility. He humbles himself before his God and unlocks that key and requests that change. The more humble that we can become, the more instruction I believe that we can take from any direction, from anyone, the more that we could become like the Lord Jesus Christ. That has to be a resolution worth at least considering for this year. There are many things that we can take from Psalm 25, many things that I've skipped past, many things that didn't um, immediately come to mind when I was looking at it. David talks about his struggles in Psalm 25. We won't look at those this evening. We've just looked at two really key things. David talks about his enemies. He talks about shame. But the two things I wanted to pick up on very briefly were these, that we would improve our relationship with God in 2023, to memorize scripture, to praise his character, to keep God at the forefront of our minds as we fight through perhaps the potential clutter and noise of 2023. And secondly, to embrace change, to embrace change, to embrace that gift of sanctification take on more humility to search out God's instruction and his guidance and his teaching in all different ways. And there's one last thing I wanted to highlight in this psalm that stood out for me. And it's that seemingly random verse at the very end. Read with me on verse 22. Verse 22, he writes... Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Again, at first glance, it seems completely out of place. David has written 21 verses of himself and God. He uses phrases like, guide me, my eyes, turn to me, protect me. Everything tends to be in this psalm about him and God and what he would like God to do for him. And then right at the very end, he moves outside of himself and asks that Israel be delivered out of all their troubles. And on reflection, I think this is perfectly placed it is perfectly placed because it was written by David and the Holy Spirit. But when you look at it and you see, verse 22 is probably David's greatest desire. His greatest desire as king and as a Jew is that Israel be delivered from all of their troubles. 21 verses on himself and then the last verse on perhaps his greatest desire desire. And I don't think this is upside down. I don't think David is being selfish. He hasn't got his priorities wrong. I think he knows, first and foremost, that whatever he wants for Israel, whatever he wants as his greatest desire, 
it starts first and foremost with himself. That would be the same for us, wouldn't it? If we were to write this song, then perhaps we have many things that we would like to change maybe in the church. Maybe there are many things that we have or desire for the church. But, first and foremost, it starts with us. We would and should commit the 21 verses to what we need, how we need to change, what instruction we should take on, and our praise for God, and finally end perhaps with our greatest desire, and that is for our church, for the church. Because if we as individuals are not allowing God to change us through that gift of sanctification, how can we expect God to sanctify the church? So, that's it. Very briefly, a look to the year ahead. Perhaps, if you agree with me, it could be no better than to memorize more scripture this year that we improve our relationship, with our dialogue, our communication with God, dwelling on his character, thinking about him more, praising him more in every conversation, not just on the ones on Sunday, but in every day as the weeks and months ahead. And finally, let us embrace change more this year than the last. Let us seek instruction and guidance and teaching from wherever it may come, with humility as the key, starting with ourselves first and then seeking the same for the church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, we honor you, and we praise you for all that you provide for us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us to reveal the word to us. Father, we thank you so much that it reveals the truth of all that you are and all that you will be. Father, we thank you that you instruct us and you teach us and you guide us in so many ways. And Father, we pray that you would do that. And as difficult a prayer as it may be, Father, we ask that you would change us more into the image of your Son, that you would make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day whilst we live on this earth. As we wait for his return or to be with you, Father, we we pray that you as a church would hedge around us, that you would guide us and that you would shape us, that we would be a shining light into this community, that we would point to you, that we would talk about you, that we would praise you in all situations and all circumstances in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.